0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of flyingfreenow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 96 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, we were going to have Patrick Doyle, but he ended up not coming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to his interview, so I decided to pivot because you know what—that's I can do that. This is my podcast; I can do whatever I want to, right? So I decided to pivot and invite my friend Sarah, who is actually she's not just my friend; she's also actually helping me out inside of um, the Flying Free Sisterhood and doing some work. She actually, you know what she does? Her main job, Sarah. Tell them what your main job is.
1: I'm a copywriter and an editor, and I also write for myself.
0: Okay. And what do you do for flying free?
1: (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I send out an email too early and (laughs) then have to send a follow-up email and tell everybody, just kidding.
0: Okay. That just happened today. Now, when (laughs) they hear this podcast, it's going to be two months from now. (laughs) (laughs) They will have long forgotten that, but yes. So, but you know what, maybe you'll have made that mistake more than, you know, a few more times before this (laughs) podcast comes out. You can be like known as, you know, they're going to be best friends with you by the time they hear Uh, this.
1: Don't, don't put that evil on me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, but, but really what Sarah actually does the, her main job so far, we're going to be giving her more gonna throw more work her way. But right now she does this whole podcast. Well, she doesn't do the whole thing. I record the podcast. Then I send it to my son who actually edits the podcast. And I also send a copy to, um, a friend of mine, Jennifer, who makes the transcripts for the podcast, but then everything else is in Sarah's lap. She does, she takes it and runs with all of the rest of it she makes sure that you get it in your email inbox. She makes sure that it gets posted on social media. That it obviously gets posted on the blog, um, and so that so really, Sarah, this podcast is kind of your baby right now. And here you are—you are actually on the podcast, it's which seems only really fitting.
1: What? I said, it's a circle of life or something.
0: Totally. It's the circle of life. So awesome. So I'm actually glad this really, that that, that this really, really actually happened. I thought it'd be fun to interview you and let people get a chance to get to know who you are. And so let's do this. We're just like totally flying by the seat of our pants, you guys. I love it. So, all right. Me too. I mean, what could be more fun? Mm-hmm. Than literally flying by the seat of your pants.
1: It's, a, it's an incredible feeling.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, we're having way too much fun. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'll try a thank you note to Patrick. Patrick, thank you. no, actually, I'm gonna have him on. I'll have to reschedule with him, and he'll be on. He'll he'll come on another time. Yeah. I can't All right, and right if now. you and if you were really looking forward to Patrick, which you probably weren't, because I wouldn't have advertised it, but he actually has another podcast episode with us. Um, darn, I can't remember what the episode, what number it is, but it was from 2019. So anyway, if you go over to, uh, the, if you go over to the blog, go to, uh, flyingfreenow.com forward slash podcast, you can dig around the archives and you'll find him. He's in there. He also has two expert workshops inside the private locked flying free, flying free sisterhood membership site. Um, at the time of this recording or at the time of this uh, this episode, it's closed. That group is closed now. But if you're interested in becoming part of that group in the future, you can get on the waiting list at joinflyingfree.com. So um, we have lots of expert workshops, but Patrick has two of them and they're both pretty amazing. So he's an amazing guy and we'll get him in here. We're going to drag his butt in here and interview him one of these days. All right, in the meantime, I've got the lovely Sarah. We talked earlier about how she was related to Patrick Doyle through Adam and Eve and how that and how um she has just as much wisdom and experience, okay, as Patrick Doyle. So we're good to go today.
1: I I, I think we need a legal disclaimer at this point. <laughs>
0: gosh, I hope Patrick's not listening. Okay. (laughs) Um, all right. So Sarah, tell us a little bit, let's see, you are divorced, correct? Mm -hmm. And you have, and you, (laughs) so tell us a little bit about, uh, and well, and you have two daughters. I do. Yes. And you are, and and they're, and they're actually, it's all their fault that that email (laughs) got sent out. Right.
1: I was, I was pretty distracted by my younger daughter. It was, it was a bit of a mess.
0: Yeah, so uh, what's going on in your home
1: right now? So they're doing distance learning, but we've had um, multiple doctor appointments and so they've missed some of their Zoom calls. So they're making up multiple Mm. Zoom calls and and homework assignments. And also just, you know, in general, I think when everything's going 100%, it's still a gigantic mess with distance learning. It's just a dumpster fire.
0: (laughs) It's totally a dumpster fire. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I was uh, working with my... Uh, I've got three kids at home distance learning, but one of them, the two older ones do fine, but the younger one, not so much. And Mm -hmm. so we basically spent the morning. I don't, I lost count of how many meltdowns that we had, but not me. Well, I I might have had a couple, but for (laughs) sure, (laughs) but for sure he did. He had quite a few and, um, and now our internet's down. So (laughs) <laughs> oh
1: my God.
0: I know I'm, I'm plugged in to, you know, the, how you can plug in to your whatever hotspot. Well, it's not a hotspot. It's like the, the wi is down. Oh, the wi is down,
1: but not your hard line. Got it.
0: Yeah. I'm hardwired in. Yeah. So I'm actually able to do this podcast because of that, but everybody else is kind of on hold now. And I suppose we'll be playing catch up over the weekend, but yeah. fun times. I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And then you have, your two daughters have health issues as well. So it's not like, you know, it. it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's like a hurricane in your life at all times.
1: I mean, to some extent, I think it might be similar to an abusive marriage and that your normal is just your normal and not that it should be in the case of an, of an abusive marriage, but you're so used to it that you, you become inured to like what could be better and, I don't mean that in um, sort of a, a resignation way. I, I just mean that our normal is our normal. And so what's crazy to us is just what we have to do.
0: Yeah. That reminds me, I was listening to um, Marie Forleo has, has this podcast called, uh, I think it's just called the Marie Forleo Show. Okay. And um, she had an Auschwitz survivor on there who's written a book See now, I'm not going to be able to remember the survivor's name or the book's name. The book has something to do with gift, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, um, I was listening to the podcast and this woman, she's like in her 90s, and she survived Auschwitz, and she talked about you know how she got separated from her mom and her sister, and her mom was ended up going to the gas chambers, and and she that she went through that, but one of the things that she learned through that is to find the gifts in each day even though your day may be full of hell that yeah. there are beautiful things in each day and if you start to look for them you'll find them and it will just change your perspective on things now i just i was just thinking man and she was talking you know she, she this interview is brand new and she's talking to those of us people who are living through covid and there's a lot mm-hmm. of stress and there's a lot of stuff going on and i'm thinking yeah you know if you can survive auschwitz and have that attitude I think we can survive COVID and have that attitude.
1: Yeah, honestly, that's one of the most beautiful things that I've gained through this. But I think also relates to my personality, just inherently that no matter what, I was always trying to find something to laugh about, and it, like, but but naturally, it just it just would come out of me. And because of what I've been through, I'll look around sometimes, and I don't think it's in like this hoity-toity "why can't you be awesome like me" way. But I'll see people who are complaining about things, and I think. Are you, really? Because I think it's everything's fantastic, you know and so yeah. you know even with distance learning, it's not ideal. There's a lot about it that stinks. but I say that with the backdrop of it's okay and this is not a big deal. Um, and I'm just gonna do what I can to make it work as much as I can and otherwise I'm just gonna let it go.
0: Yeah. yeah, which is all rooted in what we choose to think. Yes, and we, what we choose to make something mean. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. us. Okay. So you talk about, you are very funny. You guys, I just want you to know, Sarah's a very funny person. Um, She makes me laugh uh, uh, every day. Okay. (laughs) And I just, so how do you find humor in, well, actually this is something I've noticed about survivors. They're actually pretty, they're a little bit edgy and maybe somewhat sarcastic, not at all survivors, but a lot of survivors are, you know, I mean, I just feel like, Living in an emotionally abusive relationship or spiritually twisted relationship, it sort of brings out the sarcasm in you eventually. Because you, it's either you go crazy or you get a little bit sarcastic, right? I prefer the sarcasm route. Yeah. So, but 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 they are. We do ha- tend to have a good sense of humor. So how do you explain that? I mean, h- how did you find humor in your relationship? Your situation, um, I should say. There's <laughs> so much funny about the relationship, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, that was
1: hilarious. I love it. Was, <laughs> it was like a merry-go-round in hell. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, so, you know, I think I brought, that was part of the light I brought to that relationship. So I think that they're just, that's just part of who I am. So I don't know if I can answer it in that vein, but I will say that, um, yeah, what what you said about if it, if things are really dark and you're even if you're resigned, like maybe it's part of a defense mechanism because if I make the joke before you do, then how can you hurt me deeply? Mm, And so there's there's a sad aspect of that. So so for example, um, I'm actually writing a book and in one of the chapters, it's on intimacy and it relates to embarrassment. And in one of the chapters I write as if I'm writing about a different person, but it's about me and, and about sexual rejection. And so I call out some of the things that my husband did that were really painful, but almost like in a casual, like mocking way towards me. And it's not because I actually believe these things, but I feel like it created a distance between what he did. And then like it clarified that I'm to a point where you can't hurt me anymore. Like if I, if I own sort of the negative, then what else are you going to say to hurt me? So right. I think this dark aspect to that. And I don't mean to say that, 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 I don't mean to paint with a broad brush because I do think a lot of my joy and my humor come from really pure and delightful places but I kn- I know that that's a part of it.
0: Yeah, that is so fascinating. I remember I I remember I would sometimes say self-deprecating things mm-hmm. in order to beat him to the punch. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm so ridiculous, you know? <laughs> like right. And and later on then when I got out of that relationship and I got into another relationship, mm-hmm. I had no desire to like put myself down anymore. Uh-huh. And I was wonder I was trying to figure out why I always did that before. It was almost like this, it was almost like I couldn't help myself. It
1: was so weird. Yeah. It's so sobering though, because you realize I remember in the past at one point you talked about how we have to recognize and accept but also move forward from the fact that being in these marriages, these relationships really did change us and and there's beautiful things to be gained, but they did bring a lot of harm to who we are and, and yeah. how we acted. So yeah. yeah,
0: it did. Okay. So, um, tell us a little bit about how you maybe tell us how you got out of, how did you get out of your relationship? Was that, were oh. you in a religious environment? Did you, yeah. did yes. that make it difficult? Tell
1: me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I feel like for me, spiritual abuse was front loaded in that um, I was in a church plant when I was, um, <clears throat> let's see, maybe 18. And I actually ended up living with the pastors for the first year of college. And um, it, long story short, they ended up with complete control of my life. And it, I didn't realize how how desperate and dark I felt until I started trying to, um, I started having suicidal ideation and or ideation and uh and attempted suicide a few times and i got married not long after which i don't recommend (laughs) not marriage but just maybe getting married young Uh, and i think i thought that um i was getting out of a bad situation for my family and maybe maybe sort of getting away from those people directly but it, it didn't really work because i i just was so tied into wanting to honor the lord And I was in ministry at the time. I was a worship leader for 12 years altogether. And so I just, you know, thought I have to stick it out. I have to stick this out. I would get physically ill on the way to church. That's how stressful and horrible it was. Mm. And I reacted really poorly, um, really poorly during the first year of my marriage to my husband's behavior. And because no one around me really understood what was going on, um, they went to the, you're crazy this is all your fault and here's 17 things you need to do to be a better wife. Um, Mm -hmm. so I was set up pretty well to believe that this is all my fault. And, um, there are a lot of ways that they reinforced that, that, that were, um, just so damaging to me. And I think that once I got out of that church, um, for about four years, I was just floundering, just wondering what, who am I? What does God think of me and and how do I deal with this self-loathing? Um, because there's, you know, that would take way too long. But I, I was told by a, a really respected and really wise counselor who was the only one who paid my husband for who he is, uh, to get out. He said, "Listen, I'm not an advocate of divorce, but get out." And this is when my wow. second daughter was one year old. And he took my ex to task, and my ex was so pissed. <laughs> and um, he just wouldn't do any of the homework. He, I, I remember at one point, this is a really, really sad part of the story. The, the counselor said. So listen, do you want Sarah to have a good life? Do you want anything good for her? Because she can't have it with you. You don't want her, but you won't let her go. Fish or cut bait. Say something right now in this session. Do something to show that you want this marriage. And my husband sat on that couch across from me and shook the entire couch with his angry leg. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, um, and that was an, one of his intimidation tactics that got like really pronounced towards the end, just like constant. Seething anger, um, and I remember just sitting there, and I was somewhat horrified, at, but not exactly surprised, you know. And I, I remember the Holy Spirit just welling up within me and saying, "You are a good woman, and you are worth fighting for." And I held my peace. Mm. And I think the counselor was just astounded as well. And actually, I think it took, it took, that wasn't the end of our marriage. I still like kept feeling like, what else can I do? And so I exhausted all my efforts. And here was the breaking point I was getting healthier, I was learning more about boundaries. And I was on the phone with uh, my sister, whom I talked to about everything. And I just, I mean, I'd marry her if I could, as weird as that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. And she, uh, I, I just, you know, brokenheartedly told her, I don't know what to do. I want to live at peace with him. My expectations are so low. Could he just not make every waking moment a nightmare? Mm. And she said, you know, yeah, I don't know. I said, but I haven't, I don't know, like fasted for 30 days straight or something. And she said, this is insane. I think she actually swore you know, like this is BS, no. basically. Like, you know, and probably more forcefully than that. She said, You are not responsible for his behavior. And when she said that, it was like a damn broke inside my heart. And just the avalanche came forward. And I knew, I just knew the truth of that. Like it hit home. And as soon as she said that, we haven't even been talking about separation, divorce. I just said, I have to separate and so i started making a move toward that and um i you know i don't care how it sounds but i am so freaking proud of myself because <laughs> it was so scary there seemed to be so much against me none of it made sense i had no plan everything was crazy it was terrifying and i freaking
0: did you did so, you, that's that is amazing i yeah. think i i celebrate every woman who is able to get out mm-hmm. i really do it because it does take it they basically It's like, it's like you get, I I was watching, um, what show am I watching on Netflix right now? It's called the stranger. Mm -hmm. I might, I might not have the best taste in, but I love (laughs) British drama. Okay. So Uh I love British like murder mysteries and stuff. Anyway, there's this at the very beginning, there's this scene where this boy is running away from something. Now he is high on drugs and stuff. So there, okay. it, the analogy does break down a little bit here. But okay. in the scene, he's running and he's shedding his clothes. And mm-hmm. by the time he gets to the end of his running journey, which ends badly, he's completely naked. And he doesn't, he just, he end, you know, he ends up like laying there in the grass after a long fall and, but he gets away from whatever. I think he gets, I'm not really sure. I'm still watching it. So I'm not really sure exactly what, (laughs) why he was running or whatever. But, but my point is that's how I picture women trying to get out of their abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. They're running and they have to get everything that they love and that they are, that keeps them covered and that keeps them safe, mm-hmm. they have to shed everything one by one by one until all they have left is their bare naked self yeah. laying on the ground flat on their face. Mm-hmm. And that is the place that they start their new life. But yes. it's only from that place. And and it's very difficult to be mm-hmm. fully clothed on one side of those woods and and understand my word to get out I'm going to have to shed everything and run to the other side. It's kind of like Survivor, you know, like a Survivor challenge or something. And, you know, it's who wants wants to do that? That's not appealing.
1: No, it's not. I just really resonate with what you just said. I just love, and I'm saying this from the other side in a large sense. I don't say this without compassion for the people who are so scared. I don't want to come off as like this. I've arrived. Why haven't you? I haven't arrived. I'm out, but I haven't arrived. There's no arrival point. It's just, you know moving into we're grind. all still running. Yeah. But but I know that like staring down as much as I could, losing everything brought so much freedom. And I think that's actually key. Oh, 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 here we go. Back to what we said earlier. If you lose a ton or what you consider everything, then anything you have, even just a small joy, thing, you know, a caterpillar or being able to eat ramen for lunch is it just brings you happiness in ways that it wouldn't have before. So we don't take for granted all the beautiful, small, tiny things, all the peace, all the smiles, all the quiet in our homes after this. I think that's a big part of it. Yes, yeah. I do.
0: I agree. I totally agree. It makes me think of the verse that says, you know, you you lose your life, but you gain your soul.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that actually was compelling to me when I was getting out. Because when I was told to get out by the counselor, I remember being... First, I said to him, "How is this not manipulation? You know, like forcing. It's like an ultimatum." And he said, "No, you're just accepting that you don't have a marriage and acting based on that." Right. Uh, <laughs> but I was so scared. I remember thinking, um, uh, "You know, I don't make any money right now, and I haven't been in the workforce for a while." And also, uh, physically, I couldn't handle getting out. So I don't. I don't hate myself for not doing that. That was. I just needed to recover from giving birth to my second and and all my health problems related to that. Mm. But uh, yeah, I just. I think that the freedom that I found within that was was based on being, well, I lost my train of thought. So I think that like in the end, I got to the point where I, I didn't care what I, what I needed to lose. I just knew what I had to do. Right. And yeah. you
0: found, you did find that you gained so much more. And uh-huh. I, I think that's important too. I think we think we put a premium on, on comfort, but actually freedom there's something to be said for freedom. And anyone yeah. who's experienced not being free and then being free understands exactly what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. That's I mean, awesome. I, go ahead. I, I wasn't joking when we started this and I went, woohoo, about being divorced. Like, it's still, I'm still a little bit on a high and it's been yeah. a while. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And and everyone just for people who are listening who are not feeling like that's cuz I've talked to people who are divorced and are newly divorced and mm-hmm. um or even out for a few years and they're not feeling on a high they're feeling yeah. like you know they're still so that's actually something that we do. You know, if you I'll just put this in there. If you are a divorced woman of faith and you're feeling really still stuck. I have a program that's opening up in January of 2021 called Flying Higher. And it's for divorce women of faith. And that's what we do. We actually work on, there are things you can do with your brain. Your brain is an organ in your body that you can actually, it's like the most profound, um, highly functional, amazing, incredible thing that you have, gift that God's given to you. And we can actually make our brains work for us. The Bible talks a lot about this, but we don't, you know, we spin it in a spiritual way rather than looking at it from a scientific perspective, but we can actually take our brains and we can do things with our brains that will help us to create a completely different future for our lives. And so, um, because our brains will always look for evidence of what our brain believes and we get to tell our brain what to believe. That's what faith is. You guys, we tell our brain what we choose, what we are deciding that we want to put our faith in. Whether it's ourselves, God, somebody else, a program, a church, you know, our husband, we decide what how what we're going to put our faith in by the thoughts that we think. And we anyway we get into great depth uh, into this in the Flying Higher program, and and so I think it would be very helpful for people who are really struggling with. Almost like, um, I started off with a, we have a beta group. Okay. So we, I've been, and actually Sarah is in that beta group. I am. And so the very beginning, the very first course that we did was just, um, you know, we get out of our abusive relationships, but then we're left abusing ourselves over mm-hmm. and over and over again through our thoughts it's almost like the abuser is kind of a mind worm in our you know and it's he's burrowed into our brain we got to get that those voices out of our brain and we can we can do that and people are doing it it's very transformative so if you if this sounds like you if it sounds like something you need just go to um, go to joinflyinghigher.com and you can get on the waiting list. And then if you're on the waiting list, when it opens up, I'll send you an email and let you know it's open. You can join now. And then I'll tell you more about it. And we'll probably have some videos and things like that. But um, so anyway.
1: Can I can I tag in and plug that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to say that um, about a year ago, I started to feel just the urge to really start looking towards the future instead of just, you know, all the stuff I've been doing, grieving and processing and, and you know... Trying to get safe because it has not been all roses and I don't know Twinkies for me. It just hasn't. It's been a really really rough three years. A lot of devastating and heartbreaking things happening despite getting getting free.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: um, right around the time that I was thinking, well, I, I think I've benefited, you know, in the ways I want to from flying free that you know you introduced. Um, Like the idea of it, right? Right. When I got to that point, because I was just making some changes in my personal life, my professional life too. And um, it's been so, so good. So if you're in a place where you're divorced or you're, you're partially out or whatever, and you just think, so I did this so I can be miserable for the rest of my life. No. And don't internalize that as like somehow the, the fact of the matter. Because what Natalie said was true. When we get out, we're out physically. But there are a lot of ways in which our mind is still in bondage. And the great thing is, we're the bosses of our minds. And we really can make incredible uh, change and transformation through addressing those things and uh, looking closely at them. And that's what flying higher is about. And it's been extremely rewarding. Really, yeah, just do it, just do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. um okay, so Sarah, speaking of that, yeah. tell us a little bit about so you've sort of i mean, you're actually launching your own business, so you yeah. are are actually doing your own business now, huh? tell us about what you decided to do, what what made you step out? That's kind of scary, yeah, you know, it's scary to step out and start a business, you have no idea if it's going <laughs> going find enough people that um, that need your services. If you're going to be able to make enough money to put food on the table, mm-hmm. all of that, you're not relying on someone else to, I'm curious about what you do. Like, what do you do for healthcare and stuff? So anyway, I want to know all the things.
1: Okay. Some of it doesn't sound spectacular at all, <laughs> so, but maybe that will encourage people all the more. So, um, at last, last summer, this is sort of when things started. I had, I've been doing ESL English as a second language online since I, since I, uh, right before I moved out, that was in 2017, the summer of 2017 and it paid. Okay. And it was what we needed. It was a really big blessing for that, but there's like no job security at all, no benefits. And there's no way to move up. You know, you just add to the number of classes you teach. Um, but I think I needed somewhat brainless activity, you know, for earning money. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, I started, I pulled out something, uh, a writing project that I had started years ago, and I had it moved forward on. Because, I mean, who has the ability to be creative when you're just in constant trauma? Right. Not me, not me, you know? Right. And I also thought I was a complete piece of trash. And one of the things that my, my ex said about me was that, like, my degree in English was was a joke, and everybody laughed at it. And, you know, I should apologize to the professors who uh, who got me a full scholarship, blah, blah, blah you name it. So, like... Even he
0: was though, a nice guy, wasn't
1: he? He, he was so precious. Oh, <laughs> bless his heart. <laughs> so, um, you know, even though like towards the end, I could tell that that was just, you know, a total crap living, you know, within that environment had a significant impact on my, my uh, self-confidence. And so I got to the point where I was like, I want to to start writing again. And so I called my sister, and I hate the word accountability just because of stuff I've been through, but I just said, hey, listen, sort of as an accountability measure, um, when you come visit me in the fall, I will have the rough draft to this to this this book done. And she said, all right, because I'm going to read it. And so I did. And I can't say that all the writing was great, but I busted it out. <laughs> um, and around that time, I think that sort of wet my appetite for, it. yeah, wake up these dreams again. You are more than what you're doing. Like you have so much more to offer. You really are amazing. And you have incredible giftings. Put them out into the world. What's the worst that can happen? You already faced like the pit of hell. You can do this too. It's right. It's it's interesting because I made that decision on my own and I knew it would necessitate moving from homeschooling, which is what I have been doing for multiple reasons to um, public school. And I had no idea how that would work. Well, I came to find out about a really small charter school near my home that I would never have even thought of. But it's one of the things I've seen that's just so beautiful and good and the opposite of what I lived in, what we all lived in is as I just stay open, there's no striving. Like things just happen. As I like challenge the status quo and I believe for better, things come together. I just take the next step, whatever I think it is, you know, as best as I can. I screw up, I just keep going and, and just things kept coming together. So I was um, about to enroll them in school, and my uh, ex decided he wasn't going to pay alimony anymore, and he did it without notice. <laughs> so it became necessary for me to try to get more work because uh, I, I had a lot less. It was a significant amount. The, the catch-22 of that was once I put them in school, and I knew this beforehand, one of his stipulations for alimony ending was that, like, if they're in school, I'm not paying you alimony. Uh, you know, we could argue over whether that's fair, but I had agreed on it. So whatever. So the great thing is though, I made the decision on my own and then afterward it would have been forced, but I got to sort of, you know, preemptively strike Mm -hmm. on my own. Um, And I put them in school. um, That was in December of last year. (laughs) They got like three, three months in before COVID, (laughs) before COVID shut everything down. But during that time I started looking into, um, into copywriting, which is basically like writing to sell. I mean, there's more to it than that. But I just thought I want to be able to use my creativity. I want to use like compelling words. I just love the way language opens up our minds and connects us to each other and can um, help people see value in things. And I kept coming up against, I mean, I, they, they, what I realized is a lot of the firms wanted someone who was very experienced. And I'm like, but that's where you come in. I remember one time applying for a job and like three minutes later, and it wasn't an auto response, which makes it even worse. They write back and they said, nah, (laughs) not you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just laughed. I laughed and laughed. Um, And that was the other thing, like being brave made it less traumatizing to go through what I might have considered failure before, but after, I don't know, a couple months of that, I decided, okay, if nobody wants me with, you know, within a business, I'll make my own. (laughs) And so I just decided, let's do this. So I I made my own website and I started asking people who were doing things that I cared about, if I could help them with maybe, um, content marketing for their websites or even just like business plans. And then I had joined a fitness, uh, a fitness group online and he was putting out a program, this guy was putting out a program that um, was brand new and it was amazing. It actually related really well to survivors. And I said, can I edit all of this for you for free? I just started doing things um, pro bono and asking for reviews and that also gave me experience. and And it also brought me connections to people that ended up serving me later. So that's basically what it's been so far. Like a, a lot of the work has been coming to me. I, I now work with a, a seasoned editor for a major publishing house and she pushes stuff to me. I'm working for you, of course. I've worked for several different people in lots of different fields and that's been exciting because not only do they provide me different kinds of work, but there's, I'm, I'm learning about those, those fields, so. Uh, Yeah,
0: You know what I think is fascinating about this is that, because you did that for me too, you offered to do some, edit something. I can't even remember what it was now. And I said, sure, why not? And then I was so impressed with what you did that I was like, hey, can you do some, I, I need some work with this. And then eventually it developed into something, but okay. So, but here's the fascinating thing. And I want people to notice this. You actually put your, this is what any business is you put value out into the world you uh-huh. get, you you help people that's what it is uh-huh. you help people and then they want your help and they pay you for their help that's yeah. basically what any business is and so and you and you were willing to say i'll help you for free at first uh-huh. to to give yourself experience and also to make some connections yeah. And now as a result of that, how long would you say, I mean, that's only been a few months that you've been doing that, right?
1: Yeah, I was doing some work for free earlier in the year, but since I would say since, um, well, I had, I had some paid jobs interspersed with those free ones, but I haven't been doing any pro bono work uh, since the beginning of the summer, I would say.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Me too. Yes. And see this is a, this is something that pe- that anybody can do. There's so many women who are like, "Well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get out. I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. I don't know how. I don't know this. I don't know that our brains all oh, they our brain on autopilot will mm-hmm. always say I don't know because yeah. our brain wants to keep going down. This it wants to keep looping on the same things over mm-hmm. and over because it's efficient. It just, it hates being interrupted. So, um, so when you, so a lot of women will say, well, I don't know, but here's the thing you, your brain actually does know your brain is incredibly, uh, it's so amazing. And you know, Mm -hmm. even if your brain doesn't, you know, you can introduce ideas. You can answer. I always tell my kids when they say, I don't know. I say, well, if you did know, then what would you do? And they're completely taken aback. They're like, you know, they're just stunned. They're like, oh my gosh, well, in that case. And then they start coming up with, you know, they start coming up with answers because it actually makes their brains take a step back and go, oh, fine, I'll work on it then. I'll think about it. I'll come up with a solution. And then you do, pe- people do come up with solutions. People are wired by God to be survivors and to make things work. And you are a woman who had financial difficulties. You had health issues. Mm-hmm. You had two children with health issues also, like not just your run of the, you know, garden variety snotty nose here and there. They had serious health issues that yeah. were ongoing, ongoing, involve hospitalizations, involve surgeries, involve all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: And and yet you you just you you ran through the woods. You got to the place where you didn't have anything and you were able to start over again from that place of having nothing. And God was with you every single step of the way.
1: Yes, 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 yes.
0: So I I think we'll end on that note, actually, because I know there is a lot of disillusionment about God in the Mm -hmm. survivor community. And because we are, you know, we tend to think, well, where was God when all of this was happening? Where is God in my court trial, you know, that's falling apart? And now my kids have to go, where is God in, where, how come there is no justice? I, I'm honest. I'll I'll be honest. I struggle with the same thing on a regular basis. Okay. Mm -hmm. But here, but here's the thing I have to always remind myself, God never promised that he was going to overturn the Roman government and set up his kingdom of perfection here on earth. You know, I'm speaking of when Jesus came to, you know, they all were like, well, Jesus, if you're the son of God, you're going to set up your kingdom here. Um, he never promised that there was never going to be death in the world. Every everybody, every single person listening to this podcast right now will be dead in the next hundred years. Okay. Barring some kind of a scientific breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> hey it could happen um, I'm kind of hoping it doesn't though I can you imagine like being 150 years old' like please Ew. already let me go let me be done <laughs> I want to be done um anyways, I digress um He never promised that there would never be sickness in the world. He never promised that that all the evil people would suddenly get halos and walk around and do great good in the world there's always as long as we're on planet Earth, there's going to be beautiful, amazing things, and there's going to be a lot of crappy things. Yeah. And he, but the only thing he promised, and the thing he can offer us, is that he promised to never leave us or forsake us. He promised that neither height nor depth nor the past nor the present nor the future nor anything else in all creation can ever, 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 e- including divorce, can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, religious communities will tell you all the things that can separate you from the love of God. They they truly believe that there's so much that can separate you from God's love. That's bull. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And that's what you have. You're actually not... There's a verse in the Bible that talks about God, uh, talks about... Um, Israel being like a woman who's naked and unclothed and God comes along and he covers her up and he clothes her, he puts on royal garments and he makes her a queen, okay? That's what God does when you are at the end of that forest and you're lying naked face down on the ground. He's gonna clothe you and he's gonna make you a queen and that is your destiny. And I think that's a good place to end the podcast episode on. What do you think? Sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Sarah, for pivoting with me, <laughs> coming on this podcast episode at the last, the very last minute. And that's a wrap for episode 96. And, to, and thank you for, the, for those of you who, who are bearing with us and listening to our serendipitous episode. Until next time, fly free.